It's the Joel Com Show, featuring internet pioneer, New York Times bestselling author, and international speaker, Joel Com. Helping you grow your business, live life today, and do good stuff. Here's the man who built his first website in 1995, your host, Joel Com. And that's right, the flying monkeys do not scare me. In fact, I keep one right here in the office. Likes to make his appearance here and sometimes fly across my desk when I least expect it. Now, welcome to those of you here on the Joel Com Show. Thanks for joining. Real excited. For those of you that are here live, you get to experience this as the live studio audience. And for those of you that get to enjoy it as the replay, well, then you just get to imagine that you were here. And I'm super excited about my guest today. You know, he's a guy that I've only had extended chats with during our interviews. It seems like every time we're in the same place, it's always a networking atmosphere. And, you know, he's bouncing off one wall. I'm bouncing off another. But uh, Brian Solis, he's a he's a digital marketing analyst. He's a best-selling author. He's a speaker and a principal over at the Altimeter Group. Uh, they do research and advisory. Um, they're a firm, and he's written a bunch of books. He travels all over the place, and he's got a brand new book out right now, which is just one of the most beautiful things that you've ever seen. It's called X, The Experience When Business Meets Design. Here is the book, a, an experience in and of itself. Brian Solis, welcome, my friend. Hey, hello, hello, and to everybody, I'm sorry to make you wait. Uh, such is life when you are running from plane to plane. Joel, I uh, I appreciate more than this opportunity. I appreciate you and your friendship. Oh, well, thank you. And one of these days, we're going to actually have to sit down and have a meal without the uh, the interruptions of uh, of networking and, and everybody else. But Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Uh, do you, are you at a hard 30-minute stop today? Uh, well, that would mean we only had six minutes, but I will give you whatever you need, my friend. Fantastic. Well, thanks, buddy. Um, give people the 30-second synopsis outside of the standard bio. How do you describe yourself? Oh, well, about five, six uh, families from Spain. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, uh, I describe myself as a digital analyst, uh, of which I do. Uh, I work as a principal analyst at Altimeter Group, which is a, a company that was recently acquired by Profit. Uh, at the same time, I'm also a digital anthropologist and uh, an author, and I look at how things like disruptive technologies are impacting society, and as a result, uh, how people's changes in behavior, expectations, and values are affecting business and education and all other facets of life and try to share what I know in books and blogs and blabs. You're a scientist. You are a researcher. You are a student of human behavior and of brand behavior, um, sometimes pointing out the common sense that isn't so common. And uh, th this book that what so impresses me about this gang is this is, first of all, not your standard business book that's portrait size, that soft cover and looks and feels like every other book. Since Brian is writing about experience, the book itself is an experience. In fact, I'm going to read what's on the back because I think nothing frames it better than this back matter. Is that OK? 
Please do. I'm going to just take a seat. Experience is the most important thing in business, yet most executives and entrepreneurs neglect the value of designing experiences from the onset. They talk, build, and sell around it while still missing it. With X, you'll learn the importance of experience and how to design experiences. Why? Because experience and how it, because experience is everything. Experience is human. Experience is sensory. That's why the future of branding is experience architecture. It's personal. It's culturally and contextually relevant. It's aspirational. And as you read this book, you'll quickly realize it's intended to deliver a thoughtful and intentional experience. And that's the point. Uh, so inside you refer to so many different experiences with Brian point out to us when you uh, observe businesses and brands out there would you say most of them have a fail point in focusing on experience yeah you know I mean I don't I don't want to be so uh, I guess have such a blanket response around I guess looking at, at it that way I mean the answer is that I think the word experience means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I have to tell you that the inspiration for the book was looking at, you know, what if we could just find a common ground for the word experience and then build upon it? Because I don't know that I've ever met an executive that would say, hey, you know, we actually do not care about our customers. We do not care about the experiences that they have. But when you go through the journey, there are a lot of opportunities for improvement. There's a lot of signs that show that, well, this experience not only sucks, it's, it's, it's broken and it's impossible to be great, but until it's pointed out in terms of ways that are, are having negative impact on revenue or customer churn or what have you, uh, there's no real sense of urgency to do anything about it. So what I try to, what I try to think about is this. If you look at experiences as just what they are, an emotional reaction to a moment, Right? I, I feel something, uh, I sense something, and what happens next, right? Do I love it and do I tell everybody? Do I hate it? Is it just meh and I do nothing? And tell even more people, right? Exactly, right? Uh, and I, I wonder then if we know that that's going to happen, right? And it happens many times, like when I hit your website or if I talk to a representative, if I use the product, if I open the box, uh, whatever it is, right? Those each of those are measured sort of individually, right? How many hits did we get on the website? How many uh, pieces did our content uh, reach in terms of impressions and views and shares? What I really want to know is what was the experience we wanted people to have, right? Does it add up to something greater? And when you, when you bring it all together, what's that look like? Uh, because today we we don't look at it holistically. We don't even design it. We 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 don't even think about what the experience is going to be. We leave it to chance, and we measure all the wrong things. So what if we could think about this from an aspirational standpoint? It would change marketing. It would change the product design. It would change customer service. It would change everything. Yeah, speaking of uh, of product design, you've got a quote in the book uh, from Steve Jobs, uh, who you know, regardless of the type of human being that he was purported to be. Um, and we have proof that he, he was that type of human being. He changed the world. And, and he said, you've got to start with customer experience and then work back to the technology. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I live in Silicon Valley and it's very easy to look at how technology is the next big thing. But I'll tell you, the one thing that most people don't understand is that Silicon Valley went through two very, well, three very important shifts. 
One was the birth of companies like HP and Apple and Cisco and Intel, right? That really sort of formed Silicon Valley. And then you had Web 1.0, which just sort of was a runaway, runaway capitalism uh, at, at the expense of, of, of the web. Uh, but then you had sort of development of Web 2.0 and the mobile economy and what have you. Uh, looking back to the original days of, of Silicon Valley, it was a very technology-focused approach. No human beings. It was just technology, innovation, iteration. Uh, and and Apple, lots of money. And lots of money. And Apple at the time really stood out by saying that's not the right approach. It is about people. And then taking technology and making it something that is so incredible that it helps people do things better or things that they couldn't possibly imagine that they could have done without it, right? And once they have it, they can't live without it. So that was that was a very different approach back then. And today when you talk to Travis at Uber, or if you talk to Brian at Airbnb, or you talk to any of these 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 folks who are developing sort of these billion dollar startup uh, companies, they don't tell you the code that goes into the app. They are all solving very human problems. They're creating new user experiences. They're creating new markets based on human centered design with people front and center because they know more than anyone really is that people don't want products or services, right? I don't want a car to take me from point A to point B. That's a taxi. I want an experience where I feel like I'm the center of the universe, where I don't even think about money, and I can sum it up with my, my app, and it, I, or I could use something like Tinder, and I could swipe right, swipe left, uh, and really just start to boil down to these, these types of engagements where the world revolves around me, right? And once I taste this, once I feel this, and I go to say, log into my bank or go to, to log into my insurance provider and have to deal with these archaic processes and systems, I'm going back in time and I'm not alone. Everyone is starting to recognize that the world is ripe for innovation and disruption. And if you're not gonna do business and create the same types of experiences that I'm loving in all other facets of my life, and it's just a matter of time until I find a replacement for you. Mm -hmm. You know, isn't the job of brands to know what we're going to like before we even know that we're going to enjoy the experience? You know, what you're talking about technology and uh, taxi. Of course, now we've got Uber. And uh, before uh, two years ago, before I had ever used Uber, I heard about it. Then kind of nervously, you know, I downloaded it and tried it for the first time. This thought of, you know, calling for somebody who's just a regular person like me to come pick me up. Uh, and it was so seamless. The experience was so great that I'm like, I'm done with taxis. If I never have to jump in another taxi again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> exactly. Nobody, nobody uses uh, an Uber because they love taxis, right? And it's the same. Imagine that for every, every facet of business. I don't know if you've ever used Instacart, but you know, Instacart is a fantastic way uh, to get your groceries. Uh, or if you use uh, DoorDash, it's a real wonderful way to get your food from your favorite restaurant. Once you, once you use these things, it, it really reminds you that the world does literally revolve around you. Um, but those experiences are so beautiful. They're so simple. They're so elegant uh, and all meant for the small screen that it further conditions you that that small screen is sort of your lens into the world. So think about it this way. You, you, let's say Tinder, right? 
Think about the psychological impact uh, of, of something like Tinder, aside from the fact that it, it, it sort of changes the idea of dating. Uh, it boils down real fast moments or micro moments, as Google calls them, into A, B, left, right. And the more you start to use services like this or Uber, Uber Pool, Uber X, whatever, click, go. Right? These are starting to change your expectations, whether you know it or not, right? And you look at your phone, whether it's for an app or email or messages or what have you, about 1,500 times a week, right? And you add that up on average, it comes out to about 177 minutes per day. And every single time that you do this, or you download the next app, or you try, say, whatever's next, like Mallory asked if, uh, if you've used the Peach app yet, uh, all of these things, you are reprogramming your brain. I don't care if you're 55 or if you're 27, you are now starting to become part of this connected society where you share a lot of behaviors, expectations, impatience, uh, a, lot of, a lot of factors that then build up to change and disruption, right? And these dynamics are so human, right? It's not because technology, technology is facilitating or enabling this. It is because people are learning that they're important. And they've always been important. It's just we sort of stuffed them in the back seat. We've put them in front of call centers. We've uh, we've we've made them have to deal with sales reps that get paid on commission uh, that don't have their best interests in mind. And really, what technology is doing, if you think about it, is just it's it's making all of this human, right? And that's that's the irony and the beauty of this all at the same time. And experiences are at the heart of the matter. You know, you said uh, something that really got my attention because I've been told many times that it's not all about me. But then you said I'm the center of the universe. So <laughs> wait a second. It really is all about me? Joel, if you need validation, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my Tinder experience goes something like this. No, 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 maybe yes. And then I never hear from that one, you know, so I, I don't know. It's kind of messy. Uh, you know, so we talk a lot about technology experience, but let's face it, a lot of what we deal with is still very analog in retail and service and food. And you've got an example in your book of, of a company from our friends overseas, Lego, um, and how they were really struggling. Talk a little bit about what they went through and the observations they made and how they made this major comeback. Yeah, well, Lego did something that I, I feel like was, it's a story that I actually wonder why it isn't told more uh, more often. Every company in, in the book that I, I share a different sort of facet of change about uh, went through this similar approach, which was, let's look at our customer, right? But let's also look at who we're not reaching, uh, which is very important. Uh, and in the case of Lego, which is very much like the case of Airbnb that I that I tell um, the story that I tell in the book, was that they recognized that they were selling to the wrong person in the wrong way, which was hyper limiting the the value uh, and the love for the product. So you had uh, essentially what they did is they hired anthropologists, and, and I'm not kidding. There's a group called Red out of New York that went into the homes of the, what they felt were the typical Lego uh, customers. And they learned quite a bit. They learned that uh, they weren't selling in the right ways to the right people. 
Uh, and they were also missing the, the, the emergence of what we felt was the maker market, right? So before there were kids making robots, there are kids who want to go off instruction manuals and just build whatever they want with the Legos that they have, sort of like freeform creativity. Uh, you have all kinds of different ways that they were marketing and productizing uh, Legos that were missing the boat. And they learned that you know they have customers who are parents. They have multiple types of parents who want to give their kids Legos. You have customers who are kids and have different sort of ways that they want to use Legos, or they're also looking at ways to be engaged as kids, so they might not even think about Legos. And so and it's, what ended up happening is they learned a ton about what they thought they knew and a lot about what they didn't know and realized that they had just been marketing to and creating for uh, the wrong the wrong opportunities. Uh, the to minute- the tune of a cash loss of a million dollars a day, yes. they were bleeding, hemorrhaging. Yes, yes. Uh, and now that they are on track, it is, it's a completely different game. The company is an uh, absolute turnaround. Uh, and it is simply because they looked at the, the, the right kinds of people in the right kinds of ways uh, to engage them both what they expect and also not what they expected. So aspirationally, and this is really important. I want to just close out with this quote, because I went through the same exact process uh, with the book. It's one of the reasons why it took three and a half years to write. And that was this. I could make great assumptions about who I think the reader is. Uh, I can make great assumptions that I have all of these uh, wonderful people who support me online and in the real world, and I can just take their attention and their loyalty for granted, and I will just write the way I always have as an author. Um, Or I can actually take the time to figure out what are they struggling with, what's important to them, who are they, what kind of roles do they have, what, what are they trying to do within their organization or for themselves, and let that inspire me in a, in, in a lot of different ways, and more so, and I took this to a whole other level, was how do they learn? What do they share? What's interesting to them? What apps do they use? What's the user interface like of those apps? And really try to recreate all of these things from a, a design perspective and also from a narrative perspective to help engage them in ways that maybe what I hope they'll say as they're reading this is, wow, it's like, it's like he's putting the words that I've, I've really tried to say uh, in my mouth so that I can say them, or he's, he's saying the things that I've always felt uh, but never have been able to say, or he's saying the things that I really thought about could be my future, and now I see that they, they really are my future. And that, that's all human, right? The design is just something that says, it's easier for you to read. It's much better experience. It's something where you feel like you want to turn the pages. And my goodness, whatever he did, I'm learning more. It's fantastic. And uh, that, that, that's all the things that I think every business can go through. So the quote that I, that I promised I would share is this. Um, in the book, I talk about how personally I am told over and over and over again uh, about the Henry Ford quote that you can't always place all of this design on customers because they don't always know what they want. So the quote is, um, if I would have asked customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. Uh, and that quote is shared quite often as saying, you can't, you, can't, you can't do this, right? You have to think about what you're going after, your business, your roadmap, uh, and, and execute that way. But the, the truth is, is that Steve Jobs uh, did not create the graphical user interface. He didn't create the mouse, right? He saw those things, but he also recognized the problems that people had using DOS, which was horrible, or what people were trying to do with computers or what was possible with computers. So he just had this vision that stitched things together into new possibilities, both 
are examples of human-centered design. So the quote by Henry Ford, I, I decided that the, re, the easy way to really start to, to challenge business as usual is to start questioning everything, right? Why do we have to do it this way? Why is this the way that it's always been done? Is this the best way to do it? Uh, what if what if you talked to people and looked at how they were doing or expecting or, or wanting things differently? How, how could that inspire innovation? Because when I started to challenge every, everything, you know, especially as I was going through the, the writing of the book, it turns out that there's no physical evidence that Henry Ford even said that, actually. It's just this overused, <laughs> urban, myth. urban myth, overused, overshared quote for with the wrong context. It, if What he actually said in Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, was if there's one secret to success, is that you, it's actually the opposite of this, is that you have to get the other person's perspective and let it shape yours, right? And that's where true inspiration and innovation happen. Nobody here in Silicon Valley or anywhere else in the world is gonna tell you that they uh, are trying to change the world because uh, they have a new string of code or a, great, a better algorithm. They figured out at a very human level what's wrong or what could be better or what's possible. And then everything else becomes part of the process to bring this to life. So then the question becomes, uh, as my friend Jen Groover once said, what if and why not? Right? <laughs> yeah, That's the absolutely. Everything. And I love that you are, we're all walking experiences, but uh, you are, it's known that you are one of the most dapper dressers out there in, in our world. <laughs> well, and I think that not, you know what, even casually you got the dapper going on, but um, it's, it really is part of the experience. This this these ideas come from who you are and that isn't that the core of what brands in in us as individuals should be about right isn't that that experience what's real i'd, I'd hope so you know uh part of this book is uh it, it was therapeutic for me as frustrating as it was i'll tell you uh, maybe it's just a conversation for later or another time but i wanted to give up no no less than a hundred times throughout the process even towards the end there we uh, I, there were moments where i thought this just wasn't going to happen for my entire career i've felt that there was there was something wrong with me right it's uh, every going back to my first jobs i just there were things about processes or systems or goals or metrics that i just felt didn't feel they just didn't feel right and that there were I would always ask, like, why, uh, why do we have to do it this way? Can we try another way? What if we tried it this way? You know, and and I was always sort of put back into my place, even even when I was a kid. You know, what what do you got ants in your pants? What you 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 can't focus? Uh, you're stupid. Uh, you're a troublemaker. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I I grew up. Even in my first career, I felt that I was beaten into into submission where I just had to follow the rules. And it turns out that. Over the last few years, especially, even though I've been doing this for a very long time, uh, I started my first company in 1999 to try to do things my way. And I ran that company for 12 years, but I still didn't believe that I was on the right path. I just felt like I was making it work because I had to make it work. But in retrospect, especially with this book experience of putting it together, uh, yeah, it is who I am. And it's my way of also saying, no, you know, you're not alone because you feel that things could be better. You're not alone in being frustrated that people around you are holding you back. You're not alone in the reality that people don't get your vision. Uh, I, I actually believe that if we can stick together and if we can make the case together and if we can inspire one another to, to, 
to, to say that, yes, you're on the right path and how can we help you do this, then we're actually going to bring about the change in this world that that's overdue and that's necessary to be relevant for the future. So I, I kind of needed this uh, as much as I hope you, you, you needed it uh, to, to really, really do the right thing. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you birthed uh, this book because I do think it's important. Uh, I'm going to open up the seats, and if anybody wants to come in and ask a question of Brian Solis, my guest here today, then uh, then please do pop in. The book is X, and uh, we've got Jordan that is joining us, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to the Joel Com Show. Jordan, how are you? I'm great. How are you all? Say hi to Brian. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hello, Jordan. You have some good fashion going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I, I kind of span the sales and UX world. And what I find with people coming to me is that they, they want to learn how to advocate for user experience design within their organization. Um, because they're having those feelings that you were talking about that ah, I don't think this is the way we should really be approaching this, but they don't know how to really sell it. Um, so I wanted to ask you for your perspective on bringing UX to the forefront in an organization that says that it values it, but they're not allowing the UX experts to really do their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, this, so the, the type of questions like this are, are difficult to answer. So I'll do my best in that they're always relevant. They're always specific to the culture within the organization. Um, and the reality is this, is that UX, I think, is largely underappreciated and undervalued in almost every organization because it's sort of relegated into uh, a specific role. And because it's relegated into that role, it's sort of viewed as just having limitations to that, right? So the one the one thing I always have to break through with, with UX when I'm talking to an executive is uh, it's more than a website. <laughs> and, and, uh, and just to define for people that might not understand the terminology, a UX stands for user experience. Right. Yes. User experience, customer experience. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Cause some of us are like, okay, they're talking in code now. What's with all the X's? <laughs> right. right. Go ahead. Brian. Right. So, uh, user experience is a very specific discipline about, around design. Uh, it's, it's often used in things like websites, but also in products, boxes, packages. Uh, but the better, uh, UX professionals bring it to life in many other ways. And I, I think the, uh, the, there's a very core, aspect of the book of which I stripped down uh, the elements of what the user experience philosophy means, right? Which means start with people in mind, start, uh, there's not the geek out, but there's a lot of separate practices of it, but what, who are the people you're trying to reach and how do they normally interact? What are they trying to do? Uh, and uh, what can't they do today? Uh, what, what would make this better to facilitate their desired outcomes? What is the context of which they're coming to you, right? And then you just sort of design for these very human type of, of exchanges that are easier, much more personal, hopefully much more relevant. Uh, and uh, the, there, are, there are aspects of this that you could apply not to just design, but to, to, to everything, right? Just think about, think about this. Uh, to answer your question a little bit more specifically is take a case, take a use case. Uh, I did this recently with a company that uh, I'm working on that's trying to be a little bit more innovative. And they opened an innovation center. It's a very, very big global company uh, in Silicon Valley. And they're wondering why they can't bring 
the aspects of what they're learning from Silicon Valley back into the culture of this global organization, and they wanted to facilitate ways to do so. And I said, well, part of the problem is user experience. User what? What are you talking about? Uh, well, do you know who the people are in the in, in, in the innovation center and all of these aspects of who they are, what, what, what they're trying to do, what makes them important, why they're there, versus sort of how people operate within these other aspects of the organization. And then what I ended up being able to show were these very specific attributes uh, and where there was friction inside the company right now uh, and where human resources was largely responsible for the problem. Uh, in that you know these things and then human resources does these things and there's no match, right? Uh, and that looked like almost like a dance, I just realized. Sorry uh, about that. Uh, so <laughs> kind of a thriller moment. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, th the point is, is that they have to be tied to very specific instances for anyone to really understand it. And so this is why the book focuses specifically on customer, uh, the, the customer uh, experience, because you're able to take brand experience, user experience, customer experience, yes. and show that any one moment of the journey is broken. If you focus on one part of it, you can not just fix it, but you can also expand its reach to new, new people. Uh, so, so hopefully that helps. That does. That Thank does. You, Jordan. Thank you. Appreciate your question. It's always great to see you. Um, before we uh, we let Brian go, we've got him captive here for a few more minutes. If anybody else has a question, feel free to jump on. Uh, you know, what could since we're talking to a lot of people that are in business for themselves, where I know your book gives a lot of information. Hopefully, everybody will go get a copy of X. But where's a good place to start? Ask, what are the right questions that they need to be asking, regardless? of what their business is? Yeah, well, the questions they have to ask, uh, and this, this is the hard part, uh, because what I try to show in the book, the first, the first part of it is sort of showing how we work against ourselves. Even if we have the best idea, uh, it doesn't matter if, if the, the rest of the world doesn't know about it. Uh, and where I think we get into trouble is we start to assume that just simply by existing or by marketing that we, we reach our potential. Uh, one of the questions that I borrow from, I think it was uh, General Motors, actually. Uh, the, one of the questions where they start is, what, what would our digital customer do in a variety of scenarios, right? So uh, they look at those scenarios and then they play them out. And they recognize that in a variety of those scenarios, which were sort of from discovery, right? Like trying to learn what I'm looking to buy to trying to buy. And then to uh, the last one, sort of owning and loving it, they recognized that in certain scenarios, they just weren't even in front of their digital customers at all, right? And so they learned a lot about things like their whole customer support or infrastructure just was broken. They learned that their sales process, you know, nobody really loves going to dealerships, uh, you know, and then just trying to market with these really cheesy videos or, or you know, broadcast styles of marketing, we really weren't engaging the digital customer because they weren't personal or relevant. So any business can go through the journey as a customer that they don't know to recognize where they're not. And if I could give you advice, and this, this doesn't necessarily sell any books, it's to go look up my name, Google, and micro moments. So my name, Google, and micro moments. And you're gonna find about five articles that I've written on the subject, all with links to very uh, specific playbooks that are written for anybody from the entrepreneur to the small business owner 
to someone working in a large enterprise of what to do about getting these answers to grow your market opportunities, right? Because it doesn't matter who you're selling to, it matters who you're not, because that's where the bigger opportunity is. Excellent. My guest today on Joel Com Show, Brian Solis, author of this book, X, The Experience, When Business Meets Design, available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and I assume at fine booksellers everywhere. Of course. And uh, your website that you'd like people to go to is? Uh, for for all of all of my work, I, I publish it at BrianSolis.com. And for the book, it is, uh, well, xthebook.com, or as Joel said, uh, what your favorite website of your favorite vendor seller. Fantastic. And are you looking forward to the sequel to Zoolander as much as I am? So that would be a yes hey brian i appreciate you everybody give brian tons of props here on blab right now just watch those numbers fly um appreciate everybody joining us today and uh if i hope you'll reach out to, to brian get his book and one last question for you brian what size t-shirt do you wear uh well if if, if i have my way and this diet works uh probably small okay so i'm gonna go with medium <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't believe in you, but I just, I want to shoot for it because as a thank you, um, I know it's probably not your style, but you're going to get a do good stuff shirt. Do good stuff, Joel. Thanks, Brian. Take care, man. I know you're busy. We'll let you go. And uh, for those of you uh, here in the Blab audience, I appreciate you joining here for the Joel Com Show. Follow me on the Snapchats right there because lots of cool stuff being snapped. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next show. Thanks for joining us for the Joel Com Show. We hope you've learned something new and that you are inspired to grow personally and professionally. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and to share it with others. For more from Joel Com, visit www.joelcom.com. And until next time, do good stuff.